0: I'm Adele Last and this is the news for week commencing the 11th of December 2023. The new rules for engaging employees on fixed term contracts came into effect last Wednesday the 6th of December 2023 with the headline change being a fixed term contract can't be longer than two years including any extensions or renewals. The new rules require employers to give employees hired on a new fixed term contract a fixed term contract information statement. There are also some limitations on how fixed-term contracts can be used around renewal and consecutive contracts. Employers can't take certain actions to purposely avoid these rules. These are called anti-avoidance protections, and these protections include ending employment or not re-employing the employee for a period of time, not re-engaging the employee and employing someone else to do the same or substantially similar work instead, or changing the type of work or tasks that an employee does or changing the employment relationship. The limitations also do not apply to casual employees.
1: Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill yesterday unveiled the Albanese government's 10-year migration strategy, which aims to lure skilled migrants to Australia while cracking down on non-genuine international students and migrant worker exploitation. Anil says the government is embarking on an ambitious reform project to address the challenges in the broken migration system. Anil went on to say the government's move to exclude highly paid trades from the specialised skills pathway will not hinder National Cabinet's goal to build 1.2 million homes. It's really important to understand that our strategy changes do not make it harder to bring tradespeople into Australia. The government feels strongly that for sectors like trades, You should have to prove that there is a skills shortage before you start to recruit overseas, she said. Immigration Minister Andrew Giles says the migration strategy will lift wages, offer workers stronger protections, allow employees to more easily move between businesses and reduce exploitation. This strategy also means that we're able to better plan migration over a longer-term horizon instead of the short-term fixes of the past, Giles said. Business Council of Australia's CEO, Bran Black, has welcomed the release of the migration strategy, saying business has long called for an approach that prioritises sourcing the skills the country requires.
0: McDonald's Australia has been hit with a class action from the Union for Fast Food Workers seeking $100 million in back pay for current and former employees who are allegedly asked to work one hour each shift for free. The SDA union alleges McDonald's asked 25,000 managers and supervisors from 1,000 stores across six years to arrive at work 30 minutes early to their rostered shift to conduct a pre-shift check and stay back an extra 30 minutes to finish handover tasks without pay. We estimate that a manager working five shifts a week could have been required to complete up to six weeks worth of work completely for free. No matter how you slice the burger, what McDonald's and its franchisees have done is unlawful and illegal. McDonald's must pay these workers back for the millions in pay they're owed, said a union spokesperson. The class action has been launched in the federal court in South Australia. The court action not only names McDonald's as a respondent, but also 325 McDonald's franchisees. SDA is also calling for the court to impose penalties on the burger giant. In a statement, McDonald's said it would respond to the claim in due course. McDonald's Australia takes its obligations under all applicable employment laws very seriously, the company said.
1: The government has split the Fair Work Legislation Amendment, closing Loopholes Bill 2023, in two. Following a deal reached with the Greens in the crossbench to pass measures including criminalisation of wage theft and same-job, same-pay for labour-hire workers. As part of the surprise deal, the following key measures were approved by the Senate in a vote last Thursday. Closing the labour-hire loophole by providing for same-job, same-pay for labour-hire workers. Criminalising intentional wage theft. Strengthening protections against discrimination, including by preventing adverse action against employees subject to family and domestic violence and closing the loophole in which large businesses claim the small business redundancy exemption to avoid redundancy payments. The balance of the measures previously proposed as part of the Closing Loopholes Bill will be contained in a separate statute, the Fair Work Legislation Amendment Closing Loopholes No. 2, 2023, which will include amendments dealing with more complex and controversial measures such as casual employment, definitions of employment and minimum standards for gig economy and road transport industry workers. The Closing Loopholes Bill No. 2 will be debated when Federal Parliament resumes in 2024.
0: IKEA Australia this week launched new progressive policies to support co-workers and their families better. IKEA will remove casual roles, increase annual leave and offer leading paid parental leave. The Sweden based furniture retailer's new enterprise agreement includes an introduction of a fixed rostering option, a four day work week, full and part time employment only with no casual roles, five weeks of annual leave, paid parental leave regardless of tenure, and superannuation on unpaid parental leave. Workers who are affirming their gender may take leave for that as well, and anyone undergoing fertility treatment or supporting a partner doing so can take up to five days of paid leave per year.
1: The Albanese government's vow to radically trim the outflow of public service work to the big four consulting firms, dubbed the Coalition of the Billing, is steadily taking place, with two key leadership positions for the government's in-house strategy shop recently announced. Officially named Australian Government Consulting and run from under the roof of the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, Victoria's Chief Data Officer Andrew Knipe has been poached to become Australia's first ever Chief Consulting Officer to lead the charge in restoring public service capabilities like strategy development and project management. Seconding Knipe will be Deputy Chief Consulting Officer Joe Rossiter, who was last listed on the Government Executive Directory and Org Charts as the the Acting Assistant Secretary of the Department of Employment and Workplace Relations, National Skill Agreement Policy and Modelling Unit. Previously a Director at Management Consultancy NAUS, Rossiter also spent around seven years in the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. Announced by Public Service Minister Katie Gallagher last Monday, the two senior appointments come with the government already preparing a project pipeline with two pilots already in place. There has been a stampede for consulting positions at AGC, with Gallagher confirming that more than 1,000 people have already applied for positions.
0: Music streaming giant Spotify is laying off 17% of its workforce in its third round of layoffs this year. The cuts reflect the company's efforts to adjust its workforce to sustain profitability amid slowing economic growth, Spotify CEO Daniel Ek said last Monday in a letter to employees. The post didn't specify how many employees would lose their jobs, but a spokesperson confirmed that it amounts to around 1,500 people. Despite our efforts to reduce costs this past year, our cost structure for where we need to be is still too big, X said in the letter. In January, the firm slashed 6% of jobs, bringing its workforce down to 9,200 employees. Just four months later, it cut another 2% or 200 employees, mostly in its podcasting division. Spotify has struggled to achieve profitability, posting a net loss this year of roughly $500 million for the nine months to September, despite growing its monthly active users to $574 million in the third quarter of 2023. Spotify shares rose 14%, 14 points, or 7.5% immediately following the announcement. Despite its financial losses, the company's share price has more than doubled this year.
1: Amazon recently added a new requirement to its promotions policy, be in the office no less than three times a week. In October, Amazon told its managers that employees slated for promotions must comply with the company's return to office policy, which requires them to be in the office at least three times a week. If not, they'll need a VP approval or their promotion will be blocked according to an internal announcement. Amazon has gradually wound back work flexibility for its employees throughout 2023. In July, remote Amazon employees were told to relocate near office hubs where most of their team members were. Those who refused to relocate or find another team that accommodated their needs were told to take a voluntary resignation package. By September, Amazon was sharing individual attendance records on employees, a shift from the previous policy of tracking only anonymized data. And last month, Amazon told managers that they now have the discretion to fire employees who refuse to comply with the return-to-office policy.
0: Threat of an imminent US recession has faded, according to the University of California, Los Angeles, Anderson forecast. The forecast cites expansionary fiscal policy, new national industrial policy, and a consumer that keeps on spending. On the other hand, growth will be tempered as interest rates remain high. The forecast also notes inflation rates will recede, but only slowly. It expects fourth quarter GDP growth of 1.7%, down from the 4.8% growth seen in the third quarter. In addition, the forecast sees a weaker 2024, with 1% annualised growth in each of the next three quarters, but picking up to 2.5% in early 2025. Australia's seasonally adjusted GDP growth rate was 2.1% in the September 2023 quarter.
1: And that's the news for the week beginning the 11th of December 2023. I'm Ross Klenit.
0: On to question of the week this week, and this is about an article that I found that prompted some thoughts around friendship at work. The article is called uh, The Power of Work Friends, and it's from the Harvard Business Review. And there is a summary that says, despite claiming people are our greatest asset, too many executives still expect employees to leave their personal lives at the door when they come to work. Yet Gallup data shows that having a best friend at work is strongly linked to business outcomes, including improvements in profitability, safety, inventory control and employee retention. Your thoughts, Ross?
1: Well, it does sort of back up the importance of friendship in recent research from the Pew Research Centre. And they found that 8% of people have no close friends and only 38% say they have five or more close friends and my experience of work was I made strong friends at work and I have many people that I regard as my friends who were people I first met at work. So the formal
0: question of the week then is, how important is it to have friends at work, particularly in relation to engagement, I guess I'm interested in. So let's answer this question for you and our own experience, Ross. How important is it to have friends at work?
1: Well, let me think about the jobs that I had as a full-time employee. So my first full-time employment was at what is now known as Hayes in the UK and that was a really difficult job, my first recruitment job. And I only stuck at it because I built up what I regarded as friendships. And I say what what I regarded because my experience in the English workplace was it's very hard to make friends, but I certainly felt that I was friendly enough with my colleagues. And certainly my boss, Kim, my first boss, Kim, she you know she invited me and some of my colleagues to her home and so I felt like there there was a, a genuine attempt to build friendship outside work and that certainly kept me there and then when I returned to Australia and I worked at recruitment solutions the people and I worked there for 10 years many of the people there I still regard as my friends and they're people that I stay in contact with, including the people-to-people people co-founders, Amanda Milling, Mark Smith, Simon Gressier, Greg Savage. They're all people that that I regard as my friends, and there are many other people from that company that I'm regularly in contact with. And many of those people actually no longer live in Australia. So for me, the workplace was a very important part of forming friendships and keeping friendships over the years. What about Fewer Adele?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you on this one that I do believe it's an important part of your experience in the workplace and that feeling of uh, being part of Of the group and being part of the tribe and fitting in and feeling connected and feeling that you're going through similar experience. You know, that shared experience together is really important. And having, you know, people that you can talk to your frustrations about who understand the environment, you know, sometimes you don't want to take that home or to your partner. It's good to be able to talk to work colleagues and share those experiences. But it's interesting you mentioned your first um, job and you mentioned your boss, Kim. And I was thinking about this in the context. Context of where it sits differently from manager to, to subordinate, so to speak, in terms of that sort of friendship arrangement because that's where I often did find it more difficult once I became a leader and certainly coming into an organisation at a leadership level and in the recruitment businesses that I worked in, I was often the only person at that level within the organisation. I didn't work mm. for a haze, so I didn't have equivalent peers at my level. I worked usually for small to medium Uh, privately owned businesses and so I was the most senior employee in the organization and everybody else was below me or reported through to me and so friendships became thin then you know it was harder to to form uh, friendships that you could really trust because obviously some things you needed to discuss and talk about you couldn't do that with people who reported through to you so I've Mm -hmm. definitely made friends with people and I've continued relationships and friendships outside of work post leaving a business and they have been very valuable to me and continue to still be to this day but I will say I think it's a bit harder when you come in at a senior level to call it really friendship I think being friendly and having the feeling that you're accepted is one thing but I think friendships where you've got a got deep intimacy around you know personal issues and professional issues is much harder as it gets you know as you kind of get further up the line I think
1: yeah, look for sure. When I think about my experience of joining um, Slade Group, where I was joining as a leader, I I don't have any. F- well, actually, no. Actually, actually, I have one one friend from that time, and I'm certainly still friendly with Jeff. Um, but it would be a stretch to say that I'm friends with Jeff. Like, I don't no jeff and i don't go out and socialize together although we have had the odd drink so that's sort of a different relationship because i reported to jeff but certainly none of the people that that i worked with or who worked for me are people that i remain in contact with so look you're right and i think that's just kind of natural it's just very difficult. There is a difference between being friendly and being friends. And if you're friends with someone, it means that you're seeing them outside of work and you have common interests outside of work. And that certainly was the case at Recruitment Solutions, where there were um, many occasions when one or more of us got together socially on the weekend or out of hours. And there was, and remains, genuine friendship.
0: And you can see where this is really playing into some of the surveys and the reports around staff engagement and particularly you know in office and out of office and hybrid working and and all of these models because that in some ways makes it more difficult if you're not spending time with people certainly obviously you mm. can foster relationships across you know at the phone and, and video but you know I guess it's those experiences when we're in the office together that make the fastest and, and deepest bonds with people so I wonder whether this kind of survey result will start to really play out as we see more and more organizations having hybrid working or not requiring people to come into the office and therefore some of these friendships may not be as deep or as well bonded as they might have been in previous years and what the impact might be to culture and perhaps why we're seeing a lot more of a transient workforce nowadays.
1: Without doubt and you're absolutely spot on Adele, this will be fascinating to see. People less frequently in the office have less opportunity to form genuine friendships and will that make their engagement with work drop as a result or not as strong. Certainly the data suggests that this year we're heading for the highest level of employee turnover for at least five years. Is remote a factor in that? Very hard to say but clearly the impact of friends at work does help people decide to stay because you're not just leaving work you're leaving friends and you're leaving the camaraderie the fact that you feel safe at work like you're with people who get you and it's much harder to leave if you've got that experience and you're unsure about whether that's an experience that you'll be able to replicate with a prospective new employer.
0: I'm aware of one recruitment agency who very specifically says that the time when people come into the office should be spent in collaboration and in, you know, kind of bonding activities and they're kind of, they're not mandating it as such but they're definitely encouraging people only to come in in groups or come in when your team's in so that you can bond together and do things together and I think that may be the key to this. So if you're sort of still out there pondering and and worried and still struggling to get teams back in, Maybe it's about trying to make it more about creating those bonds and those connections between your staff more so than just saying you need to come back into the office to sit in front of the computer again. Uh, Try and perhaps focus on those connections between people because that's the stuff we need to do in person.
1: That's certainly what I'm seeing in reading about successful, (laughs) excuse me, hybrid Uh, workplaces where the time that people spend in, in the office isn't so much doing work as collaborating to produce work. And certainly in the world of recruitment, I mean, there is a very strong individual component, but the smart owner will look for opportunities to deliberately create those scenarios to encourage people to come into the office and to look forward to seeing their colleagues.
0: We'd love to hear if you agree or disagree with our comments on this subject. Thanks for listening. Hey, are you liking listening to our podcast, Recruitment News Australia? If you are, it would really help if you could give Ross Klenner and I a five-star review. On whatever podcast app you listen to it on, please hop onto the review section and give us a review next time you're listening on your favourite episode. And thanks for listening.